Hey guys, what's up? It's Manda. Hope you guys are having a great day today. Welcome back to Flourishing with PTSD. I'm so excited for this episode. It's been a long time coming. Today, I have a guest speaker with me. It's Shay from We Are The Evidence. You may remember that she was here with us a while ago, and I'm so excited to have her back. So in just a second, we are going to go ahead and dive into secondary trauma. And I'm so excited to talk about this. It's something that Shay and I are both really passionate about, and I'm super excited to hear what she has to say about it. Um, So if you remember last week, I talked about a really interesting experience that I had going back to the scene of the crime where someone attempted to sexually assault me and how I was able to reclaim a lot of power and hope by visiting there and just really setting myself free. And that was really an amazing experience. If you haven't listened to that episode, please go check it out. But there is a trigger warning on there um, just because I do talk a lot about what being there was like for me and how triggering of an experience that really can be. So I really encourage you to check that out. And just a reminder that Shay and I are not medical professionals in any way. We are just survivors telling our story and bringing hope to people as best we can and finding resources for people to help us out. So with that being said, Shay, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us who you are and what you're about. Yeah, thank you, Amanda. It's awesome being here again. So thank you for the opportunity. I am the founder of We Are The Evidence, which is a Instagram community, but is also a website. And I'm currently working on writing a book to be a resource for victims of sexual assault, but also their loved ones and people in the community who just are interested in wanting to learn more. Um, So we have grown quite a bit since the last time I was here. And I have you, Amanda, to thank for some of that. So thank you for having me on the show and for always continuing to support us. Of course, it's been such a pleasure and such an honor to see how you have connected with so many people and how um, your community has grown. And it's just been so exciting. And just how genuine of a person you are is just beyond me and the strength that you have um, to really pursue something like this. It takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of emotional willpower. And I'm so grateful that you have taken on the the charge of really helping lead, you know, the fight against sexual assault and ending the stigma. I just think that that's so amazing. So thank you. Yeah. So if you want to just remind listeners why you were inspired to found something like we are the evidence. So I am a survivor myself of sexual assault and It took me three years to report my assault because there were no resources. There was really a lack of comprehensive resources for victims of assault. And so I had a lot of doubts and I had a lot of concerns and questions and I didn't know where to go. And it wasn't until three years later when I found someone who truly supported me and I shared my story and they asked, like, do you want to report? How can I support you? And it was that moment that I realized people should have probably been saying that from the beginning. A good support's going to believe you. They're not going to ask victim-blaming questions or judge you. And they're going to provide opportunities for discussion. So I went ahead and reported the sexual assault with their support. And two years later, I went to court. And once court wrapped up, which was actually January of this past year, I realized that I wasn't done. That my story as a survivor was not over just because court had wrapped up. And I mean, after that, it feels like there's nowhere to go. 
but there is. And that's where We Are the Evidence was founded from. And why I'm passionate about educating supporters for sexual assault victims is because I saw the impact my own trauma had on my loved ones. And that kind of ties us into what we're going to talk about today. Awesome. Well, I'm so inspired by your story. And I think that so many people listening are too. Um, And I just, again, want to say that I'm so sorry about what happened to you, but I'm also just in so much admiration for what you're doing again. And it's been incredible to see how everything has transpired over just the, you know, the last couple of months um, that I've started to get to know you and what you're about. And it's just been so exciting. So I'm really inspired by your story. And I just want to thank you for, again, making the absolute best out of a horrible situation that should have never happened to you in the first place. Well, thank you. That means a lot to hear. Of course. So today, like I said earlier, we are going to be talking about secondary trauma. Um, Again, this is something that Shay and I felt is a really important topic because I don't know about any of you guys, but I don't hear very much about secondary trauma coming up in conversation. And even conversations about trauma, like we talk about trauma, but then I've never really heard anyone talk about secondary trauma until I met you, Shay. And so I was really interested when we first talked about that. And so, um, and maybe that's just because we don't know what to call it when we're talking about trauma. Maybe it's just one of those things that goes under the trauma umbrella. And, um, and maybe it's just because as a collective society, we just don't understand it or we haven't really put a label to people who have witnessed a trauma, um, being traumatized by that. So Shay, why don't you tell us a little bit about what secondary trauma is and what that looks like? Well, you're absolutely right. Secondary trauma is not talked about hardly at all. And the few times I have seen it kind of talked about is usually under the terms of compassion fatigue or vicarious trauma for people who are working in the trauma field. So social workers, doctors, um, EMTs, people who are around a lot of trauma, they might hear that term and they might hear how to take care of themselves when dealing with secondary trauma. But loved ones of survivors and people on juries even, people who are in the community and just learning about sexual assault and hearing it in the news all the time, they don't hear that they should be considering their own response to that. So secondary trauma is where, well, I kind of consider it a ripple effect. So trauma has a ripple effect. So the victim has their trauma when they disclose this or when they respond to this trauma, it has a ripple effect. And so it touches those around them and they really can have symptoms of PTSD themselves. And this does not, again, this does not just apply to social workers or people in the trauma field. This is for our loved ones. And they have to process the trauma as they hear it and then the ongoing effects of it. So they might experience symptoms like heightened anxiety or increased heart rate, trouble sleeping, ulcers. And all of these are signs of PTSD, but also that secondary trauma element. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, do you think, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, but do you think you could give an example of what secondary trauma is? I know that we talked about, or that you mentioned, um, like, you know, social workers or um, EMTs, but could you give an example so that listeners might have something to kind of put the label on? Yeah, so when I disclosed three years after my assault, to the individual I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, who is a really good support for me. I had to watch them go through 
what I went through right after my assault. And because they didn't go through a trauma, they didn't realize that they should seek out help. But I watched them go through those same stages of the heightened anxiety. I got I had to watch them have trouble sleeping, um, the mood changes and fluctuations, uh, stomach issues because of all that anxiety creating ulcers. And it was horrible. And then when I got to court, I had to watch all my loved ones and the people who were supporting me at court go through those same elements that I was, even though they weren't testifying, they still felt the pain. They still felt the anxiety and it had an effect on their health. Yeah. Wow. And a huge shout out to all of your supporters because, you know, first of all, listening to a disclosure is something that, you know, no one wants to hear because they never want to hear something like that from a loved one ever. Um, And then stepping up to the plate and supporting you how you need to is just an incredible thing to take on. And so a huge shout out to all the supporters out there who are helping someone um, go through a sexual assault and then, you know, to go to court with you um, because those are all really real things. And I think that we also need to validate that secondary trauma is a very real thing. It's something that can be just as scary as experiencing the trauma directly because, you know, like you said, trauma has ripple effects and it affects everybody to some extent. And um, that's what I think gets missed when it comes to the discussion of trauma, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And I think for our supporters, how tough is it to seek out help when we as victims, we find it hard to go to therapy or ask for help from our doctor when we went through it. But as someone who's a support person, how do you have that conversation saying, I didn't go through a trauma, but I still think I need these mental health services or I need to talk to my medical professional about what's going on. It can be very hard to feel valid in seeking out that help. Right. And that's also part of trying to really end the stigma around, you know, mental health, because how strong does a person need to be to hear something scary that happened to their loved one and then, you know, be strong for them. And then, you know, when they're by themselves and they're taking in, okay, these scary things in the world are happening and I have to be strong, you know, out there for them. But then, you know, who's helping me, who's supporting me as someone who is supporting a survivor? Like that is incredibly hard. And even when, you know, people in our Instagram communities reach out to us, I think that it's also really reaffirming of the fact that, you know, we went through a trauma as, and now that you and I are survivors trying to help other survivors, it's first of all, rewarding to hear so many people telling us their stories and confiding it in us. Um, but then it's another thing where it's just like, okay, how do I be strong for these people when, first of all, like I'm hurting too, because I'm hearing that these other people went through this and it's a great connection for sure. But listening to all of this like collective trauma over and over again it's also like self-care is so important and yeah it just speaks to how in-depth secondary trauma really is and it really needs to be talked about so much more yeah absolutely and I think you bring up a really good point um that as a support person again you feel bad maybe seeking out that help because you feel you should be supporting the other person and so you don't want to say you're going through a tough time or what you're hearing is hard for you because you're trying to be a good support person. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that some of my friends who have really stepped up to the plate in enormous capacities, um, I know that a couple of them um, have gone to therapy, not necessarily because of my disclosure and my experiences, but 
their anxieties have definitely heightened and sure my experiences and like disclosing with them, like what I'm going through has contributed. But that's the thing is that we shouldn't be worried about asking for help. And that's, I think what stems a lot from secondary trauma specifically, because you, you, you said it yourself, like, how do I ask for help when the trauma didn't happen to me? And I think that that's something that really needs to get normalized is, you know, you're taking on this enormous, I don't want to say burden because it's, I just think that that has such a negative connotation, but you're taking on this really big challenge, let's say, of really supporting someone else, being strong for them when it's emotionally, you know, devastating and challenging. And so it's just so important to really normalize, hey, I witnessed this and that is just as hard to deal with and asking for help, going to counseling and just even, you know, asking for tips on, okay, from a counselor, hey, I'm supporting this person and it's really starting to devastate me. First of all, how can I take care of myself and continue to take care of this other person? Do you think that those are good points to bring up? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very important to bring up how you create those boundaries in a way that's going to maintain your health and your mental health while you can still be a good support person to your loved one or your friend. Absolutely. Yeah. And something else that I really wanted to talk with you about is so say speaking of boundaries um say a support person right now is really struggling with actually like physically supporting and like actively supporting um a survivor how do you think that someone in that position can communicate that maybe they need some space not because of anything that the survivor has done but for their own mental health and their own sake they just need some space or, you know, like a way to take care of themselves? How do you think that they should go about that? Well, I think to make it about the support person. So if I was a support person, making it about me saying, hey, like my mental health is a little tough right now. And I just need to go take a couple hours to do some self-care or making it about you or saying, I need to make time to work out because it's good for my mental health. You don't have to spin it around or put any blame on the victim, even if some of it does stem from that conversation you had with the victim or that disclosure, but make it about you because it it truly is about you. Your mental health is about you. And so saying, hey, I haven't gone to the gym in a while, and I know that if I do, it's going to clear my mind, and I'll be able to have this conversation more constructively or let me take time to think about this. And I also think thinking before you say stuff can be helpful. So if you're having a tough conversation, it's okay to say, let me think about this. Let me do some research. Can I follow up with you in a little bit? Because it's better to educate yourself and prepare yourself than to say the wrong thing or to let your own emotions, which will probably be heightened, get in the way of that. So I mean, that's also why I think everyone should be educated somewhat on sexual assault. So that way, if someone does disclose, you have at least some basis for having that conversation. But yes, if you need to take time for your mental health or you need to set up some boundaries, just make it about you because that's what the victim should do too. If the victim needs to take some time, they should also be saying, hey, I am just feeling overwhelmed or overstimulated or emotionally drained. I need to take some time and just journal or I need to meditate, you know, make it about you. I love that. I really love that. And because that's exactly it. It's not necessarily about the person's experience being 
too much that you just have to quit. It's just, yeah, I need to take a break. I need to, you know, take five. I need to go do something for myself so that I can continue to support you. Yeah, I totally love that. Thank you for for saying that. Um, And then, so what do you think we can do as a society to bring awareness about secondary trauma? Well, I think that the push that we're seeing um, right now about self-care and making time for you is helpful in itself. I think our culture's becoming more aware in general about how to take care of ourselves. But educating, I mean, people have to seek out the information to an extent as well, but just having those conversations. And I think that like vicarious trauma, compassion, fatigue, secondary trauma, all those terms need to be put out there and they need to be explained that they're for the general public. It's not just for people working in the trauma field, especially with all the stuff that's in the news right now. I think it's very possible that individuals who aren't even supporting a victim of sexual assault could be experiencing some of that compassion fatigue or could be experiencing some of that secondary trauma. And so to turn off the news or to turn off social media for a while and just get some distance from it because it is everywhere in the news, which is good, but can lead to that secondary trauma or compassion fatigue. Yeah, 100%. And would you mind just explaining to us what compassion fatigue is? Yep. So the big difference between the two terms, secondary trauma and compassion fatigue, is secondary trauma can happen after one conversation or can happen after one experience. So you have your loved one disclosed to you about their sexual assault, and suddenly you start experiencing some symptoms of PTSD. I would consider that more secondary trauma. Compassion fatigue is if you are exposed to it over and over and over again. And so you might still have those symptoms, but they didn't occur overnight or after one conversation. It's after seeing news article after news article about sexual assault, if that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely does. Just repeated exposure over and over again. Yeah, for sure. Um, So... Where do you think people can go to learn more about secondary trauma? Is that something that you're going to talk about more with We Are the Evidence? Is that something that they should just be Googling um, after this podcast? Or where do you think they should go next? So I do have information about secondary trauma on my website, which is weareevidence.com. And I touch briefly on it there in some self-care practices. I think if you are concerned that you are experiencing some secondary trauma symptoms to talk to your medical professional. And it's always okay to do your own research, but don't just depend on your own research. Um, I think it's very important to seek out mental health services or talking to your doctor about what's going on because there is a physical component oftentimes to trauma. So I think those would be good starting points. And yeah, I talk a lot about how to create boundaries on my own page on Instagram and how to do self-care practices. And those aren't targeted just for victims of sexual assault or survivors of sexual assault, but also for their loved ones. Yeah. Yeah. I love your Instagram page, guys. If you haven't already followed Shay on Instagram, it's we are the evidence and on Instagram, right? That's your username. Correct. Yep. We are the evidence. Go like her page. She does. Let's see. What are the components that you do? Because you do a lot of segments on your Instagram. So every Monday we do a question and answer post, which I love. I love seeing everyone else's feedback. So I will usually get a question 
and then I will answer it from my perspective or give some feedback and then other survivors or loved ones will start responding and give their feedback and I think it's a great resource. We talk about self-care. I'm also doing a series on statutes of limitations in different states in the United States and then we do a lot of fellow survivor posts so comments that I get from interviews I'm doing with fellow survivors that can help others feel not so alone yeah yeah I love I love all of those segments they bring so much knowledge and again yeah just so much relatable content um and for those because you're bringing up a lot of great vocabulary um would you mind telling us um what statute of limitations is because I don't think that everyone knows what that is So state by state, there are time limits for when a victim of sexual assault can report or pursue prosecution for the assault that they experienced. And it varies state by state and usually by age as well. And it's very eye-opening to see how much it differs in each state. So there's some states where you have three years to pursue prosecution. And then there's some states where there's no time limit. And there's states where it varies by age or by the degree of, well, whatever they decide to pursue for a um, criminal charge. So like first degree versus second degree um, or incest, et cetera. And a lot Mm -hmm. of that information can be found, well, on my Instagram page through the series. But also if you go to rain.org, they have a breakdown of every state and their statute of limitations and the criminal degree definitions. So that's a great resource. Yeah, I love rain.org so much. It's, yeah, like you said, it's a great resource and I get so much information from there. A lot of the content that I include in my other episodes comes from rain often. I'm sure that that name hopefully should sound familiar to all sexual assault survivors and supporters. Like that's just something that everyone should know um, because they do so much to empower and enable survivors to come forward and um, to just become educated and knowledgeable in this unfortunate issue. Um, So I love, love, love that. Um, And so as far as secondary trauma goes, um, again, I just really want to validate for everybody out there that it is okay to experience, you know, post-traumatic stress or like Shay said, compassion fatigue um, when being exposed to so much um, hardship, really, in um, hearing a survivor's story, because that is really traumatizing. I know that for parents, when parents hear their child say that they've been assaulted, that cannot be easy in any way. Um, and I think I know that I've mentioned this in other episodes, but I never really took into account what disclosing meant for my parents as well um, until we really started to talk about it and until they really started to share Um, their observations of what I was going through. Um, And, you know, Shay mentioned that, you know, her support systems have definitely felt the effects of her um, assault. And so that's just, that's so real and that's very valid. And that's a great reason to seek out help. I know that if you go to um, psychologytoday.com, I believe, um, you can find a medical professional that is suited to pretty much exactly what your issue is. I know that there's, um, you know, there's like little bios about, oh, this specific uh, counselor is here and they specialize in trauma and family or 
um, sexual assault and PTSD or CPTSD or a lot of those things. So Psychology Today is a great resource as well. Um, and again, Shay mentioned rain.org. Um, so great, great stuff. Um, so before we wrap up, um, Shay, I want you to tell us a little bit about some of the exciting stuff that you've been working on with We Are the Evidence. You mentioned the book. Um, do you want to tell us how that's going and where that project's at? You've been mentioning that you're doing interviews with um, some survivors. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how that process is going, if you can? Yeah, absolutely. And I am still doing interviews with victims of sexual assault, as well as a couple people who would be the role of the support person. So if you are interested in doing that, it is 100% anonymous and you can reach out to me on Instagram. We are the evidence and sign up for an interview. It's very casual and we make it as safe as possible. So beforehand, we make sure that you're in a good place and we don't go into the deep details of your sexual assault. And then we always wrap up with more positive notes. So I am taking more interviews and we are still on track to see that book hopefully at the end of 2020, which is very exciting. Yay. We're also in the process of creating an online community and resource outside of Instagram. So more to come on that soon. And then our blog is always being updated. We actually just posted a new um, blog post today and a newsletter will be start going out after the new year. Awesome. Yeah, I've just... It's just so exciting to see everything that you're doing. And guys, I actually did an interview with Shay and it felt very safe. I was completely anonymous. She uses a program so that she doesn't have your phone number or anything like that. It's just, it's very casual. It was, I felt super comfortable. Um, and this was back when, you know, we hadn't talked a whole lot, but I really wanted to offer my support to her because she's doing so many great things. Um, and if you know somebody that really needs, you know, a push in the right direction, maybe just steering them towards we are the evidence on Instagram. And she's also on Twitter. Um, steer them her way because she has a lot of great information. Um, and it's just so empowering when you start to learn about what you're going through about or about what someone else is going through. Because first of all, when you learn about something, it becomes a lot less terrifying, at least in my experience. Um, and yeah, knowledge is power and that's how we fight back. And that's how we are going to end the stigma is by becoming educated and talking about things like secondary trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder and just a lot of the things that really <clears throat> come from trauma in general. Like Shay said, ripple effects, they are everywhere and they reach far. So um, never underestimate the power of trauma, but also never underestimate the beauty and resilience and how resilient humans are, because that's pretty much we're, what we're designed to do. So um, yeah, again, weareevidence.com is where you can find a lot of information that we are the evidence is working on. Again, that's weareevidence.com. There's no the, and then we are the evidence on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, Shay, is there anything else that you would like to mention or talk about uh, before we close? I guess I would just like to thank all the supporters out there. I know it's a very tough role to be in. And just to remind you that I know you guys want to be there 100% for your loved ones and friends. And you are going to best be able to do that by taking care of yourself. So it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to be awkward and weird at first. 
to kind of put those boundaries in place or take time for yourself, but you will be healthier in the long run and you will be able to be a better support in the long run by doing so. So take the leap. And then I also want to thank you, Amanda. One of the greatest things to come from We Are The Evidence would be all the connections I'm making. And I'm so grateful that I've had the opportunity to get to know you and appear on your podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been such an honor to meet you. And I was so at first, I was so nervous when you reached out to me. I was like, Oh, my gosh, what do I do? And then, you know, (laughs) it just, it just flowed so easily for us. And I think that that's something that's part of the resilience piece that um, at least I'm learning from being a survivor of sexual assault is that it becomes so easy to relate to other people who have been through this. And it, like, it just brings us together in such a different way. Um, And it's, amazing to fight side by side with you and um again support you in every way that I can and oh you're also selling t-shirts are you not yeah we do have some t-shirts left and we'll also have some more merchandise in the near future hopefully there'll be more on that to come yeah I I love my shirt my we are the evidence t-shirt I wear it all the time it's a great conversation <laughs> starter so I definitely recommend um reaching out to Shay if you guys are interested in getting some of uh, her we are the evidence merchandise Um, that's a way that you as a supporter or you as somebody who's interested in fighting sexual assault can really help us out is if you guys are starting the conversation, um, just, you know, a t-shirt or, you know, whatever comes next, that's a great way to do it. So, um, if you guys have any more questions about secondary trauma, please reach out to either Shay or I, uh, we'd be happy to, um, talk more with you about it. Or, um, if you guys have suggestions on something that, you would like both Shay and I to cover in the future. I love having her on the show. And if I could have her on every week, I totally would, but schedules get crazy. And yeah, we all know how that goes, but (laughs) I look forward to having you on in the future, Shay. And thank you so much for being willing to come on the show and talk with me about secondary trauma. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you again. Of course. So guys, we will talk to you next week. I look forward to Um, talking more with you about what PTSD does and how life continues to be beautiful despite the hardships we go through. So make somebody smile this week. Spread some holiday cheer. I know that this is a tough time of year. Um, If you're struggling or if you're in a life-threatening emergency, please call 911 or reach out to um, the specific hotline in your county or national hotline. Um, They will be able to help you out. So have a great week, a great day, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.